Welcome to the Bikepack Adventures Podcast. I am your host, Chris Panaski. This podcast was created so as to share the stories of bike tours, bike packers, and endurance cyclists from around the world as they embark on amazing adventures. Through their stories, you'll be able to learn the ins and outs of bike travel. You'll get insight into various countries and cultures around the world, hear fantastic stories of their journeys. Through both mine and my guests' experiences, you'll learn about the pros and cons of specific gear, bikes, and bike setups. If you're new to bike travel and considering going on an adventure, I hope the podcast provides you with that extra little bit of motivation to make it happen. I want to thank Panorama Cycles, Redshift Sports, Restrap, Race Day Fuel, and Brockman Cyclery for supporting Bike Pack Adventures and helping to keep me on the bike. Check out the show notes for more information about these amazing companies. Thanks and keep on pedaling. Hey there, welcome back to the Bike Tour Adventures podcast. It has been a few months since we've had one of these released. I had initially expected that I would be up and rolling by the start of September, finish my bike tour in the middle of August, and then things just got super busy around the house, as they do, I think, as, as everybody is uh, understanding of and uh, can sympathize with. So throughout the month of uh, mid half of August and September, my parents were here a lot and it was hard to get things done. So I kind of everything just went on hold. And um, now I've got a couple interviews to post. So the first one today will be with Fedor Hitz. He's a Slovakian guy, cycled with along the Cassiar Highway and got to know quite well. And I thought he had pretty interesting story that he could share. So that is what you got today. Now, in other news... My buddy Dan Hurd of Ride With Dan, I'm not sure if you guys remember him from episode 30. If you haven't listened to the podcast, I highly recommend you check it out. Anyways, he has started the One Pedal at a Time movement, uh, fundraising to provide awareness and funds for suicide awareness. So he has partnered up, and this is pretty cool. He has partnered up with Living Works. So I'm going to read you what he sent me, and uh, I thought this is really great, so I Gladly volunteered to share it on my podcast, but here it is. The One Pedal at a Time movement is giving away five free Living Works courses. Email opatm at gmail.com. That's O-P-A-A-T-M at gmail.com. And put the code BTA for Bike Tour Adventures. Um, so basically, Living Works is a groundbreaking new way to learn suicide prevention skills. It's just a one-hour online course that teaches trainees to recognize when someone is thinking about suicide and connect them and help them to get the support they need. So you'll learn a powerful four-step model to keep someone safe from suicide and you'll have a chance to practice it with impactful simulations. So you can visit the opatmovement.com, O-P-A-A-T movement.com and or livingworks.net for more information. Um, if you're interested in this, you can email, as I said, opatm at gmail.com. That is Dan's uh, charity's email address. Or you can email me as well if you want me to forward it on to him. So we're in touch quite often. So you can email me at info at bike to adventures. Let me know you're interested in the, the coursework. It's free. There's no cost, no hidden fees, nothing. It's just, um, you know what? He's, he's been fundraising for a while, making money for this charity. And he's like, I don't want to sit on the money. I want to put it to use, you know, like people need help. So if you're interested, get in touch. I'm doing it. I, uh, I told Dan I'd be really interested in doing it as a teacher. I think, uh, Nowadays, more and more, you're seeing these things in schools where kids are behaving erratically and thinking about death. So I thought it would be a really, really good opportunity for me to actually en enrich myself and learn something. So 
If you're interested, let me know. Let Dan know. It doesn't matter. Just email us and uh, we'll make sure it happens. And on to the podcast. Welcome to the Bike Tour Adventures podcast. I am your host, Chris Panaski. This podcast was created so as to share the stories of bike tours from around the world as they embark on amazing adventures. Through their stories, you'll be able to learn the ins and outs of bike touring, get insight into various countries and cultures around the world, and learn the pros and cons of certain gear, bikes, and bike setups. I hope you enjoy this podcast and that my guest stories fill your journeys with hours of listening. If you're new to the bike touring scene and considering going on a tour, I hope this podcast provides you with that extra little bit of motivation to make it happen. In the meantime, enjoy the show. Fedor Hrak. Hrak one. So how are you feeling? Are you nervous about doing a podcast? Well, I think Birdle will do, hopefully. Beer will help. We are yeah, it depends on like, what's going to be questions. You know? We're sitting here drinking uh, IPAs. Oh, yeah. Good old Canadian IPAs. All right, so Fedor, I'm just going to start off with my little intro of you. And then we can just kind of roll into it and um, feel free to talk as much as you like. And, Pleasure uh, to be here. Pleasure to talk. <laughs> and I will just uh, interject when I feel that I can be of service. Um, in this episode of Bike Tour Adventures, I have the chance to introduce you to Fedor Hrak. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> yeah, that was the purpose. <laughs> hey, is this spelled H-R-I or A? I see. Yeah, why did I have this wrong here? Anyways, whatever. <laughs> I was like, this doesn't look right. It's H. No, it's not. Okay, whatever. Ritz. Yeah, Ritz is the correct pronunciation. I might just have to leave that like that. Anyways, in this episode of... <laughs> Fedor is fine. <laughs> in this episode of Bike Tour Adventures, I have the chance to introduce you to Fedor Ritz. A civil engineer by trade, he has spent the last few years traveling around the world and making the most of work and travel visas. Hiking, biking, eating, and looking for the perfect IPA. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Especially IPA. <laughs> I had the pleasure of meeting Fedor this past summer while cycling along the Yellowhead Highway while making my way towards the Cassier. Due to the remoteness of the Cassier and the lack of communication with the outside world, we decided to cycle together. Safety in numbers, I guess. Currently sitting in Chelsea, Quebec, Fedor was gracious enough to share his story and record this beer cast. Fedor, welcome to the show. Thank you. Pleasure to be here. So, Hi, everyone. Salut. Zdrastvujte. Ahoy. <laughs> All right. And that covers every language that we broadcast in. So, <laughs> perfect. Uh, why don't we start, Fedor, with you telling us about yourself? You mean like when I was born or... <laughs> How much did you weigh? Good question. I think uh, before <laughs> cycling, <laughs> I weighed maybe, I don't know, like less than 80 kilograms. I don't know how much is in pounds. <laughs> 80 is what? 160, 176? Yeah. And I think that uh, usually after biking, like this kind of long touring that we are doing, uh, I maybe gain another seven kilos usually. So you put on weight? Yeah, everything is going in the legs. <laughs> <laughs> well, tell us Muscles weigh. <laughs> tell weigh us about um, where you're from and... Uh, your life in general. Oh, yeah. So I'm coming from a small little UNESCO town in the middle of Europe, in Slovakia. It's called Banska Šiavnica, and this city is uh, really, really beautiful. And it's uh, something like uh, Barkville here in Canada. It was okay. in the medieval time. It was the uh, most important town in the Austrian-Hungarian Empire. Lots of silver was mined there. And yeah, I was spending there like all my childhood. I was going there 
to primary school, secondary school. Firstly, actually, I was since I was there like all my childhood, I know I really feel kind of like in the golden cage. Basically, I didn't actually was aware that how beautiful it is. But when I started to kind of moving on from this uh, little mountain, like going first like to other neighborhoods, like further from Slovakia, further like the other countries around. I realized that actually it's really paradise and uh, actually even more I'm traveling even further like to the other continents. I really like discovering new countries and uh, meeting new people, but still I really feel this uh, sort of like strong connection to this little place, mm. which I call home. <laughs> and uh, yeah, bas- basically after when I turned uh, 18, I went study the university in Czech, in Czech Republic, which now is the other country, but I still actually feel that those countries are pretty similar. Still would call like Czech people that they are my brothers. And yeah, I was there studying, uh, ah, yeah, six and a half years, oh no, six years. And then I, uh, during this study, I also take the student exchange in uh, Sweden, in Gothenburg, with my uh, traveling, Become, uh, became on a university when I joined the uh, student organization. Like uh, it's called the BEST, mm-hmm. which stands for Board of European Students of Technology. Uh, which this uh, organization gathering students like from all technical universities in Europe, and that was really the opportunity that I could see that uh, traveling is really easy. It doesn't cost that much, and uh, basic, and also I create uh, with this organization really good network of friends all around Europe, and virtually like this uh, traveling was it wasn't a problem, you know, like uh, because before that, before this uh, joining this organization, I was really like having this uh, question that this traveling must be expensive, you know, mm-hmm. like it costs like so much money to, to, to cover the accommodation, travel, planning and guides and whatever. But yeah, when I joined this organization, I realized, yeah, it's, if you have this network and if you already kind of firstly do this kind of trips, you realize that you just need a kind of, you just need to be nice, <laughs> <laughs> friendly, be yourself, basic. Yeah. Most of, most of all, be yourself. So this, this travel network you developed um, yeah. through the student union, yeah. it's kind of like similar to using warm showers now. Like you had this yeah. system of accommodation wherever you went, which exactly. cuts out yeah. a massive part I of the could cost. Say, I could say that, yeah. Because uh, most important thing in this organization, which is similar to Wamshaw, is that uh, those people in both of those communities have similar mindset, mm. which means that when you meet these people, just you have haven't met them before, you haven't seen them, but but when you already start with this, that yeah, you are part of this community, you can you you just suddenly break this uh, some kind of barrier and you just basically start talking. <laughs> Yeah. about those adventures you maybe have before and yeah it's just the great people with the same mindset mindset and that's uh really easy to talk to and make uh, good friends so universe well. that was your university days and that was kind of your intro to bike tour uh to not to bike touring but to uh to international travel too right yeah after university 
actually even during university maybe last years i was really questioning that what after because i really had this feeling that i really wasn't feeling ready to start any employment you know Mm -hmm. to like start working straight away because i really i see that it's not really easy and it's also really really big commitment i'm still not ready (laughs) (laughs) but you know um Basically, yeah, I was really spoiled with this uh, uh, student life because uh, student life meant for me that yeah, my exams end in June and I start maybe in the late September. So all those three, four months, mm-hmm. I was literally just traveling in Europe or in Slovakia. And uh, now, yeah, I realized that when I start working, now we have just three weeks. So at the end of my study, I was actually thinking and like what to do next. And then from the back of my mind uh, came, came like this, uh, I would say dream that I had since really early childhood, like when I was maybe 13, 14 years old. And because I was on one language camp and we were supposed to like draw some uh, like country, a dreaming country, like okay. like it. Like not Slovakia, but the other country which we would like to, I don't know, visit. That was our task. Yes. Yeah. And I remember I painted and uh, write something about the New Zealand. And uh, still, I have like a memory, like what I brought, what I was uh, drawing there. And, um, sheep. <laughs> sheep, not sheep. <laughs> I was drawing the uh, mountains, beaches, and uh, and forest. And New Zealand is really great about this. That on a small area you have all of these yeah. spectacular landscape, nice beaches, <clears throat> ocean waves, and I always say it's with the snow. It's yeah. kind of like Canada, but it's like a really microscopic yeah. version that you yeah. can access everything within just a few exactly. days driving. Yeah. So that was. Uh, Kind of my dream, but during university, I kind of probably forgot about it because I was busy with something else. But then in this, uh, that, that time I was actually Sweden in my exchange, in my exchange study. And then also my friend was uh, thinking about this and realized that, yeah, we should apply because from Slovakia, you have to apply for this visa. We have really, really small quote. Just, I think that time it was 130 people came per year, yeah. per year which is nothing which is really nothing. So, and the procedure was that we need to uh, certain date, certain time, apply, and who apply first, that person gets into that quote. Mm-hmm. So it was really pressure, like with timing and stuff like that. You need to have really good internet, blah, blah, blah. And yeah, surprisingly, yeah, <laughs> I, me and my friend, we got it. And uh, then, um, Straight after my uh, graduation ceremony, after maybe two weeks, I went to New Zealand. I spent there like one year. Did your buddy fly there as well? My buddy flew there earlier because uh, since uh, yeah, he was studying the different faculty and okay. he was also taking the exchange the other time. So he ended his uh, master earlier. So he went there like in fall, in October, November, I think. And I went there in March. Okay. In the beginning of March. And meanwhile, like he was so smart and <laughs> and and really amazing that the, he already bought the camper van and he the time I 
got the hair, it was all, all, almost done because he was rebuilding into the normal like temperament that we could travel and uh, sleep in. And yeah, basically when I got there, we just uh, finished finish working in two weeks and we start like proper, like what everyone is doing in New Zealand, mm-hmm. just like taking the camper van and, and travel. But we were having bikes. We were having bikes, so... Can you talk a bit about the um, work and travel visas? Because I think a lot of people don't know what they are. And I mean, I never even knew about them until way <laughs> later in life when it was already too late for me to use them, you know? Uh, working holiday visa, uh, the great thing about that is that the usually is uh, more than a year, like some programs and for some countries it's even, I think, two years. I know Canada, you can do two. Yeah, yeah. But also I think that only, only the certain cu- countries, like for example, I cannot do in Canada more than one year. Okay. But definitely it's more than this uh, normal visitor visa. Visitor visa is usually just three months mm-hmm. and you cannot work. And this uh, working holiday visa is really great opportunity because it's usually longer time. So that means that you can travel more, discover more from the country and you can also work and also earn some money. So depends what you prefer. Like I know some people, they just uh, use this visa just for working, which is absolutely fine. You can like gain some experience in your mm-hmm. field and stuff like that. But I think most of people are using it uh, for traveling and discovering the country, meeting people. Uh, is there an age limit? I think it's like 30-ish or 31 usually, right? Uh, yeah, there is also this age limit. I also think it really differs for each country, like some country. Yeah, like those processes really differ. I, I don't think that we have time here like to talk about every country, but mm-hmm. I just know that even the applying procedure is different. For example, in New Zealand, to New Zealand, that time when I was applying, it was a quote. Now I, I'm not sure. In Australia, when I, my, my uh, friend was applying, he needed to even make the English test. Like really, okay, certi- wow. like really certificate he need to have. Mm-hmm. And for example, here to Canada, yeah. You like the to... CELTA, yeah? CELTA test? Or yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, here to Canada, I also need to, for example, send these uh, documents, like my previous uh, employment. The countries I have visited before, I need to like copy my passport. I need to even uh, this uh, criminal record. Criminal record. Criminal yeah. record. So yeah, it uh, really differs. Like, but there are. I think everything is on internet now. Like there are some really nice blogs which is like giving really good mm-hmm. advice, like what what you should do. It's, it, as I said, it's really different for every country. Yeah, yeah, so, so specific. So but, it was New Zealand where you started bike touring then? Yeah. Oh, uh, I actually started bike touring already in Europe when I was at university in Czech Republic. I started bike touring firstly in Slovakia, mm-hmm. of course, because yeah, it's I think the best way just like to start in your neighborhood because yeah, you know language, you know the roads, so <laughs> you cannot lost. And then. Uh, my first uh, bike touring to the other country when I was also doing it alone, it was uh, Slovenia and Croatia. Okay. That was for, I think it was more or less two weeks. And then 
Yeah, usually every summer I was trying to do at least one day in Slovakia. I always call it like two days Slovakia and uh, always it was yeah. me, my good friend Thomas from uh, uh, Lipto region in Slovakia. Uh, I was also with him in, in New Zealand for that year. And always we have like one foreigner with us. So it was always like four. Only one foreigner allowed though, yeah. Yeah, only one foreigner. <laughs> no, I would say that only one foreigner was like there to come. You know? <laughs> brave enough to yeah, brave enough <laughs> to survive the drinking yeah. of Slovakia. Yeah, because uh, I must admit that during those first tours, I must say that I was probably more like pushing. I, I you were like pushing longer days, harder power, that kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I realized that yeah, it's uh, yeah, I was pretty tough. Tough mate to bicycle, but on the other hand, I was the only I was the one who planned that trip, you know. Mm-hmm. So I kind of knew that yeah, since I planned it and also those camping, so yeah, I realized that it's good if you get there until the night. And but yeah, like I think right now I'm more reasonable. <laughs> <laughs> and in New Zealand, you guys had the camper van and bikes. Yeah, we we basically just been uh, traveling with the camper van most of the time and uh, we were traveling from spot to spot and then we when we have time we just take the bikes and discover trails whenever we, whenever we could and then when my friend uh yeah since he came earlier earlier to new zealand yeah. he also left earlier obviously and uh, then i was in new zealand Three three months alone. Like first uh, month, I was still. Uh, at the time, I was finally working, <laughs> earning some money in Auckland. And then uh, the last two months, or actually, it was more like six weeks. I was doing my bike touring in uh, New Zealand South Island, and yeah, that was that was really something. What was it like to tour there? Absolutely amazing. But also, again, I learned a lot because... Uh, like what? Uh, I realized that my planning that time was really courageous. <laughs> like my original... Like over-ambitious? Pl- like very ambitious. Firstly, uh, literally, I wasn't looking at the time. My time, I literally just was like planning, okay, this I would like to see, this, 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 this. And then I realized that, okay... In South Island, it would be total maybe like uh, 5,000 kilometers, just the South Island. And the North Island would be another, I don't know, 4,000. In six weeks. Yeah. So I realized that, okay, so I no don't have time for two islands. So now I have to choose between okay. those two. So then I realized that, okay, probably I have time just for South Island. Because in South Island, there are like more mountains. Mm-hmm. And I really like my mountains, so I firstly I had to, I, I I chose this uh, South Island, and then I still when I started the first day, my plan was to do this let's say five thousand five thousand kilometers. But immediately in the first day, <laughs> I have this uh, like first detour, like to some uh, really nice peninsula. It's called the uh, I think it's. These uh, marble sounds they are really, really nice mm-hmm. archipelagos and really nice peninsula. And I think it's the tra- trail, actually, it was probably the biking trail. It was called, the, I think, Queen Elizabeth Trail, if, I, if my memory serves me. And that was truly 
150 kilometers one way and same way back. And just when I got to this crossroad, I realized that no, I'm not going to do it. <laughs> so I <laughs> kind of crossed those 300 kilometers just like this. I was like, okay, I saved time. And that was basically happening also later. <laughs> like when I had these uh, kind of detours, you know, just like one way. I know you're and feeling same way back. <clears throat> and, uh, it I, had, was, I had the same thing this yeah. summer with my overambitious plans. And I was like, yeah, Prince Rupert. And then I was like, well, that's insane. No, I'm not doing it. Screw it. Yeah. No, the problem is the, with this uh, returning with the same way. And also, as soon as I realized that, yeah, it would be good to end uh, close to the April, I just realized that, yeah, the problem was uh, even later in the other trips, I realized that the really kind of burden is when you have the, uh, when you already booked the flight. Mm. Or when you have like this deadline that you really need to be somewhere and be ready to leave. And that's really pushing you. And it's really, it's really big burden. For example, here now in Canada, when we were doing this tour, it was really amazing that I didn't have uh, any deadlines. So I could stay whenever I want. I could have a break. So is that like one of the big uh, the takeaways from your early days of touring, like in Slovakia and um, in Slovenia and stuff? And then new zealand like realizing that, the that longest, these hard yeah. hard pushes are just not worth it uh no it was worth it <laughs> it was worth it but uh i just realized that uh for example in new zealand definitely i realized this thing that uh, this when i am doing a plan of the route mm-hmm. i definitely try to so this route is like uh continuous so it's not that many like yeah going there, there and going back. same yeah. same same way back and that time actually in new zealand i still didn't know about the warm shower that was also the thing i was literally there just while camping or mm-hmm. two weeks uh not two weeks six weeks six weeks uh only in dunedin i was uh, hosted by a really the lovely couple a german canadian couple that was my first touch. I'm sure I was like, yeah, this is actually really amazing. Like, uh, those guys also gave me tips, like what to do next, because they were touring before in the, uh, Cambodia, mm. Laos and Vietnam, like that part in Asia. And yeah, it was really, really great experience. And then after, after New Zealand, I, uh, took a flight to South America where I was, continue back to in Colombia and Ecuador mm. for for two months in total and that was that was really I would say the most mm, memorable tour of my life because it wasn't just about biking it was really about this uh, also learning the new language because before that I didn't know that and did Spanish. you learn a lot of Spanish in the two months yeah I, I'm I managed it. Oh, nice. And that was for me like the one of those greatest moments when I was in Quito and I was sitting the time in public bus and just like one elder gentleman was sitting next to me and he started to speak Spanish to me. And I responded and we have really conversation and later even he like uh, showed me around and the time it was the like, yeah, this is this too wasn't cool. just about yeah, just about uh, like riding and see those really stunning landscapes. Like Colombia was really, really, really great country. Mm-hmm. Did you bring your bike from New Zealand with you to Colombia or you bought a new one there? Uh, yeah, I 
bought a new one there. And let's talk about the bikes because you have a very interesting, <laughs> if somewhat mental, way of going about having bikes for touring. So you just kind of pick up a bike, whatever country you're in, and go from there? Uh, yeah. Precisely <laughs> like that. Uh, I realized that this is, like even, uh, like in New Zealand, I had really, really bad bike. Like shitty one. And problem with this bike was that I already spent so much money for repairs. Like mm-hmm. I bought that bike, I think for $350. And just with this uh, touring with my friend Thomas, I managed to do repairments for over $1,200. Oh, wow. And uh, even this bike actually didn't get to the finish. Like in the mid-tour, this bike, this uh I brought this fret in the real wheel. Fortunately, I was lucky to be close to the civilization and it was really in that city. It was just, I think, the gas station, hotel and grocery. So I had no idea there is... I, I just knew that definitely there is no like bike shop or whatever. But then they told me that, yeah, you should go like that. Yeah, at the end of the village, there is a church that we hope. What do you mean by church? I, I don't need. <laughs> I don't need a prayer. I, I need, need, a, I need a mechanic. But <laughs> later, later, it turned out that this church uh, it, there was a building which looked like a church, but actually it was the biking rental. Okay. Uh, they just moved there maybe a week before, so I like see bikes there, you know, like. <laughs> I was like, okay, okay, maybe I have this a chance. My kind of church. I, I'm, yeah, that kind of church. <laughs> but uh, later it turned out that, yeah, it's just a bike rental, so they have no workshop there. Like There was a guy and he told me, yeah, I would like to help you, but I have no gear here. I have no tools. So I was like, okay, so c'est la vie. But then he said, but you know, there is uh, here like one bike. It's promised to my friend, but he hasn't seen him. He hasn't seen this bike, you know. So what I would propose that we can swap those bikes, like his bike with this your broken one, and you can br- ride on this new one. And uh, meanwhile, I will try to repair this one. Okay. And I was like, okay. And I got a specialized proper like a trekking bike oh wow <laughs> with reg, like that was so far the best uh, the best best touring bike i've ever had <laughs> did you consider keeping it at all knowing you were going to go to colombia and stuff uh i since i was really changing flights you know like firstly i knew that i need to go to canada anyway because i was uh, leaving some luggage in vancouver oh okay and I just realized it would be like costing so much money. That time my budget was really low. That's why I was also wild camping in New Zealand because I my my budget was really low. And I realized that yeah, like paying for this bicycle. And still, this bicycle was good for the normal roads. And I knew that in Colombia probably it's not gonna be right, same, right. same roads like in uh, New Zealand. So, so my idea of uh, bike touring is that if I'm going to really further country in the other continent, I just uh, buy the new. Like, firstly, I tried to buy the secondhand bike, but not in Colombia. In Colombia, that was also my first intention to buy secondhand bike. But when, uh, uh, yeah, like mm, the owner of hostel like urged me a motorbike. Mm-hmm. 
like to drive me around like in these uh, bike shops. I wouldn't call it bike shop. I was more of like workshop. And yeah, like when I said that, yeah, I'm looking for the second hand bike, like with my first level Spanish, like even I don't remember how to say now, second hand bike, whatever. Yeah. Uh, like they were originally like tried to, were showing me really rusty bike and wheels, like maybe from 70s. Oh, wow. It, it looking more like motorbike. It was yeah, yeah. really looking weird. And they were like, yeah, we can put it together somehow. <laughs> And then I realized that, okay, I just probably rather go for a new bike because uh, those new bikes, they're costing them maybe $200, yep. $50, like brand new bike. And they even uh, were able like to change the, the cassette mm-hmm. for the higher gears. So, yeah, that was kind of way to go. And that bike, yeah, settled well. All right, so we know your bikes are just whatever you can find in the country, like Canada this year. COVID-19, mm-hmm. not as easy to find used bikes, where usually you could find really good selections yeah, of used bikes. That's true. You you ended up going with just a um, sports check, special, whatever yeah. you could find, yeah? Yeah, yeah, precisely. But I was also lucky that uh, in Penticton, where I was starting this uh, Tour de Wild Canada, mm-hmm. uh, in all of those uh, bike shops, there were plenty of bikes still to buy. Okay. I went with Sportcheck, which now I probably wouldn't go again. <laughs> uh, just because it was uh, like, just like those guys that day, they they weren't very professional, I would say. I'm not blaming both Yeah, they don't know too that, much about bikes, like but, specifically. Yeah, I think now I would rather buy from the bike shops and like help. And support them. Basically. Yeah, it would yeah. be like much better idea, I guess. And the prices weren't that different. Yeah, I'm buying from proper like a local bike shop. You're, yeah, you're supporting the the trade as opposed to like a mega store, right? So, exactly. Yeah, I get so you. It, that was probably one thing I would change about this trip. That I would, rub. but that time I didn't know. That time actually I was really scared. At what if those bikes are sold? Because my friend from Vancouver already told me the whole bikes are sold. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, like, with this information, I was going to Penticton, buying a bike, and actually Sportcheck was the closest one, so I went there and I see the bike, okay, I took it then. Okay. <laughs> Let's talk about your bike bag setup. So, mm-hmm. different than what I, you know, it was uh, it was something to come across you on the, the Yellowhead <laughs> Highway and see you saddle up your bike in the morning. Um, can you tell us about it? Do you want to tell us about it? Oh. <laughs> Well, I still think it's not such a rare setup. <laughs> I mean, like, I'm having uh, this, I would say, pretty traditional bike rack that you can buy anywhere. Mm-hmm. You just need, like, those special screw holes in the frame on the wheel so you can attach yep. it. And uh, then I'm having the, like, the pair of panniers and then, like, big pack on the top of those panniers. And uh, my tent is usually attached to the steering. The handlebars. Handlebars. And like the raincoat is also attached to the handlebars. And then what probably (laughs) everybody's surprising that I'm also having uh, 
tourist uh, 65 liter backpack around my hips, which is also kind of sitting on those uh, top of the bags, top of the bags, <laughs> <laughs> which looks. I yeah, I understand it looks pretty funny, but uh, yeah. Usually, I'm since I'm riding these long tours, I just don't know where I go, and I'm rather prepared mm-hmm. because I am, for example, in this backpack, I'm having the hiking boots, waterproof hiking boots, like the winter clothes, and yeah, and that's it. That that actually it because those things actually taking so much space that I wouldn't have chance to put it So it's not this. that it's so heavy, it's just that the stuff you have is bulky. And yeah, yeah. I would say mm-hmm. so. Yeah, because you had the, I guess somewhere along the way you got the idea to strap the rucksack around your waist sideways and that way it takes the pressure off your shoulders and it kind of just balances on top of your yeah, that, bags. Yeah, that uh, happened in New Zealand because firstly in New Zealand like first week I was having this backpack on my shoulders and that was really really demanding like uh, maybe when I was in the forest and I was more climbing than uh, <laughs> than riding then okay on the shoulder it was pretty good but on the normal roads yeah I just realized that no like, this, this is really not good mm-hmm. and then like once when I was again like climbing uh, in the middle of nowhere in New Zealand and then just like one car passed and he asked me like if I maybe need some help and it was already down so I just asked him like are you going to this lake which is in the end of the down he said yes can you maybe just like take this backpack because I would just like to enjoy this uh, downhill for a while without this load and yeah he was nice he did it he did it for me and during this downhill I realized that Jesus that's such a big difference if you don't mm-hmm. have my shoulders so then I was trying to figure out that, okay, what to do so I don't have it on my shoulders. And then I realized that if I just put this backpack around my hips, like sideways. Yeah. Yeah. Like all this weight is going onto those bags and my shoulders are free. So it worked. Oh, it's working okay. till now. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah. I mean, it looks funny, but I guess it it's the space. You need the bag storage space and whatnot. Yeah. And you don't want to carry a second rack and two more panniers. And yeah, I was also thinking about those front panniers, but depends. Uh, I think what two you are doing because in mm-hmm. uh, New Zealand in Colombia, that was literally like bikepacking. Yeah, I was more time off road than on road. Okay. And I think off road like front panniers definitely is not the option. I cannot imagine that how it would work. But if you are on the road, I think yeah, front panniers are fine. But I still think that I still need to learn how to lose the weight and <laughs> how to kind of have less stuff. Yeah, I did it this mm-hmm. tour, and it's it's different. I mean, you definitely have sacrifices. You sacrifice. Yeah. Um, and we can talk about that. What was the total weight of your bags? Do you know roughly bike bags, whatnot? I think it could be thirty kilos. 30 kilos of I luggage. Think I think it could be easily. I felt like it could be more, but yeah. Maybe. Could be. No, I, I, I'm not waiting. It's I'm, hard rather, I'm rather not waiting. I just know it's a lot. Yeah, yeah. Definitely it's not 20, 25. That would be <laughs> too good. I think it's, it depends also like how much food I'm taking, I guess. That's right. Yeah. How because many days food is actually for? a big, big part. Mm-hmm. Especially if I, if I know 
that I'm not going to see groceries, I don't know, for three, three four days, yeah, then the food load is yeah, mm-hmm. pretty big. Um, can you tell us about the gear you carry? I mean, you mentioned the, the Gore-Tex or waterproof winter boots. Yeah, hiking boots, like, right? uh, I'm actually more thinking about me than the bike. Mm-hmm. I am, uh, that's actually the reason why I'm having this uh, backpack. Because my idea is that yeah, if I have just like some minor issues which I can just repair by myself, that's fine. But I'm definitely not t- taking that many spare mm-hmm. uh, tools. Spare tools, like in New Zealand, yeah, probably if I broke maybe the later like three times. But I realized that still it's not worth it to take the spare. And usually I. Think there is this some kind of Murphy's law that even if I take everything and I forgot one thing, the dust one over this one, which I would probably break. So I, I realize that it's probably more convenient rather just I don't know be believer and maybe mm-hmm. write smarts. Like you're probably right <laughs> <laughs> because even when this uh, yeah with this story I already told like when I broke that uh, thread you know in the real I mm-hmm. even even didn't know <laughs> that this part exists you know yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and even when I was uh, in the city, I was like, okay, do you know where I can find this? This is really like special, special to me. Mm-hmm. You know? So at the end of the day, yeah, I'm just having, uh, yeah, for the, for the flat tires, like patches, glue, maybe the uh, cables. And, and I think that's it. I think, I, yeah, I think that's it. Somebody's coming. Yeah, and pads, of course. Pads, pads, pads. Are breaking, pads like break. maxi pads? Bra- bra- breaking <laughs> pads. <laughs> what kind of stuff do you carry for you? You said you carry more stuff for you than the bike. Yeah, as I mentioned, these uh, raincoats, hiking boots. Uh, I was also taking the long pants, like also some kind of uh, waterproof. Uh, like two shirts, two biking shirts, uh, j- jerseys, jerseys, jerseys. One clean one, one dirty one. I remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like one that you can be socializing with, <laughs> <laughs> and one against the bears. <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh, actually, I'm taking pretty many pair of socks. Like at least I don't know five or six because I realized that yeah, I need to have like every. Every day, there clean socks, clean socks. Because yeah, it, uh, it's not really comfortable anymore for me to have the same socks like every day. Or yeah, maybe idea is just to have maybe two and really clean it, like wash it mm-hmm. every day, every evening. But the problem is that usually when I end the riding in the evening, it's already pretty late, so those socks don't get dry. And yeah, like even if the socks are clean, they are wet. And, yeah, it's not. Yeah, I, I had to dry a few out on the bike in the days, and like you're hanging them off your front handlebars and yeah, stuff. Yeah, I was also, yeah, I was also doing it. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, I know you also carried, a, I mean, your your stove was a bigger stove. Oh yeah, it was. Um, you carried like a 16 ounce canister where I carried a four. Yeah. But um, but you actually cooked proper food most of the time. Like you were cooking real food instead of instant food. Constantly. Oh, like proper food. It was uh, usually the same 
same course. <laughs> the same thing every day, but it was uh, yeah oatmeal, oatmeal in the morning with some special treats, you know, just like to have a different taste mm-hmm. and uh, like uh, raisins, dates, maybe some chopped chip. And uh, and for lunch, yeah, usually just like normal snacks, like bread with uh, peanut butter or jam. Usually peanut butter because jam is in the glass, which is for behavior. And then dinner was rice with beans or couscous with beans or with tuna. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I saw you cooking like spaghetti or like stuff. Oh, but like... those spaghetti are just like those. Uh, that was instant? That was instant. Oh, okay. That was instant. Those <laughs> I was like, look at this guy. He's fucking gourmet. Like, I was eating Uncle Ben's. God, I hated him. Uh, <laughs> you also carry a, uh, a pretty heavy-duty sleeping bag. I don't think it's Didn't pretty you say heavy. It like like compared to yours, it's pretty big, but you should see my previous sleeping bag. This mm. is actually pretty nice because the previous sleeping bag literally was just for one penny. You know? In this oh, penny, wow. I could fit just the sleeping bag. Like this one, I can actually still feel the stove, you know? Okay. Which is already something. <laughs> I mean, well, there, there's something to be said for it because we had some pretty cold nights and you're like, oh... I was so hot last night. I couldn't yeah, zip up my yeah. sleeping bag. It was open all night. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> I had mine zipped up over my head, over my mouth. And I was yeah. like, like mummified. I couldn't move, you know? <laughs> I was really surprised that literally in this uh, touring in Canada, I haven't zipped my sleeping bag at all. Maybe just once. In those two months. That's wild. <laughs> uh, did you have any major bike breakdowns? Mm. I know we know about your rear wheel New Zealand. Any other oh. problems? On the bike touring or yeah yeah in bike touring yeah in the New Zealand it was yeah this broken thread that was pretty serious then I broke a chain once also in the middle of nowhere and during the rain which was really hard to fix with no parts to fix it or you could fix it I had the part to fix but it was just you know heavy rain mm-hmm. and uh, problem was that this there was some kind of sand gravel and it was really kind of. Uh, Getting into the chain again, like even after a oh, few okay. meters, I knew that this chain is going to break again. So that time it was really kind of tricky. And then in South America, yeah, I have problem with the brakes. Those pads. Just because of the mountains, right? So yeah, big. just because those pads were really... Even those brakes were probably were designed like for Columbia Mountain. Like those pads were just uh, worn off like in a, in a week or two weeks. And I didn't, I, I wasn't aware of that because usually normal, in normal conditions in Europe or even in Canada, those pets would last, I don't know, at least two months, mm-hmm. even if you are doing up and down. Like back home, I don't think I've ever changed pets and we have mountains too. So, but in Colombia, that was really true. And yeah, my most scary moment was actually when I was on downhill and, uh, those brakes just like stopped working and I had those two really sharp bends like uh, with 30 kilometers like hairpin it. turn type thing yeah yeah and I was literally the time uh, <laughs> experiencing this existence- existentialism <laughs> literally in my mind was like okay I'm sure that probably I'm gonna hit this 
<laughs> barrier. Barrier. But just now I was thinking that how, so I'm going to survive. <laughs> Do I go leg feet yeah, first? Yeah. Do that I... was the only thing on my mind that time. Fortunately, I didn't hit the barrier in the first band. But there was also another one, just like a few meters the opposite, the opposite way. I was really lucky that no car was approaching, you know, because I think that if the car was watching me, I would be done. Okay. Because the road was that time, fortunately, empty. And also, like, after those two bends, uh, fortunately, like, uh, this road kind of narrowed a bit. And uh, since this road was in the cut, I was able, like, to climb on the side. The oh, hill, okay. And it was the way how, how to I slow climbed, down, yeah? How I slowed down, like, yeah. And the most ridiculous thing about this story is that this was my birthday. Oh no shit. Wow. <laughs> that was really at that time I realized that yeah, that would be really funny for my ever, birthday. To I ever, just to want ever, to live. To have a grave like born die the same day. <laughs> <laughs> but fortunately it didn't happen. And actually fortunately also this happened uh where it happened because maybe like a few miles after this road just hit the canyon and that canyon was uh Literally, from one side, huge, tall stone wall, and on the other side was also huge cliff. This is right way. after, the, like, further down the hill? Yeah. Okay. So, if it happened just, like, a few miles later, or if I didn't maybe break down there, yeah, but there was no chance, like, to break. Oh, wow. So. What road was that on? Uh, Like, we're in Colombia? Yeah, we're in Colombia. Huh. I, if I remember, that was this uh, road in the south, southwest from uh, from Hila to Mokoa. I think it was Altamira. If I mm. It was a really tiny village in the top of the mountain, and this downhill was like going down to the, to the jungle, basically. Okay. Um, let's talk about your most recent tour, the one we met on. Uh, what did you call it again? The Tour de Wild West or? <laughs> Tour de Wild Canada. Tour de Wild Canada. Because two years ago I was doing the Tour de West Canada. Mm-hmm. But since this year it was again West, but we were going, you know, more wilderness. So I call it the wild. Awesome. And you s- it started in Pemberton. You kind of mentioned that. When Penticton, you talk- Penticton. Sorry, Penticton. Okay, yeah, and you mentioned that when you, you talked about buying your bike. Yeah. Yeah, at Sport Check. What was your motivation towards this route as opposed to crossing Canada or something like that? Very good question. Thank you. Well, since... Put a lot of effort into it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm asking this question every time. <laughs> uh, I bet you never heard that one before. <laughs> no, as I said... Since uh, two years ago, I was doing uh, Calgary, Vancouver, mm-hmm. like from uh, Alberta to to the West Coast. I really was feeling that uh, now it's time to go up north. My dream and also goal was Alaska. And uh, since, yeah, like the situation now with this COVID was, yeah. Yeah, we just didn't know. Like, actually, that time when I was starting to even wasn't wasn't actually sure that even if the Yukon is gonna be open. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I was still feeling that yeah, even 
I, I, even when I started the tour, I kind of knew that okay, Alaska probably not, but I would really satisfy with Yukon and actually, yeah, Yukon was really nice destination to go. Even yeah, British Columbia is really beautiful, of course. I love it, but Yukon is—I uh, wouldn't say it's better or worse. It's just different, and that's what makes biking like awesome. biking great and awesome mm-hmm. because the most. Uh, great thing about biking is when that uh, those landscapes are changing, and it's just like such a yeah. Saskatchewan wasn't very exciting <laughs> at the time. I admire you. Like <laughs> I wouldn't sure. I probably not do this tour like from west to east in Canada. That's really um, like my my hygiene. My mm-hmm. hygiene. <laughs> you know, in in there were times where I thought, why didn't I just stay in British Columbia? Like. And keep cycling. Sorry, in Yukon, and keep cycling with Fedor. There's so much I could have seen. Yeah, there and are not that many roads. There are not that many roads yeah. there, but I, I, I regretted of- it in some ways. But I had like I had a goal, like we talked about earlier. Yeah. But at the same time, I had regrets and thought, man, I should have just stayed up there because it's not every day you can get up to like the northwest of Canada. That's pretty far away, you know. And like, yeah, and we actually were allowed to go. <laughs> and they know, let us in on these boards. Like there was some, you know. Uh, what uh, sure. <laughs> how far did you drive uh, to drive how far did you ride on average um during the tour oh. in a day i guess daily ride like before i met you <laughs> before you met me and after you met me <laughs> before i met you i definitely my goal is at least 100 a day mm-hmm. sometimes i go depends also like if it's a more like mountain or flat but if it's a flat definitely even 140 or 50 that's not such a big yeah. problem if it's flat and after it's you not met windy. me <laughs> after <laughs> i met you yeah i realized that actually i can even go 190 <laughs> in the mountain which was wow i first i couldn't believe but then when when you left me in yukon actually uh made it like two times again yeah, I made like almost 200 kilometers a day, but that was also because of this uh, midnight sun, because mm-hmm. I could uh, ride the bike till uh, 11 p.m. and still it was visible and no cars were on the road, so I was like, yeah, sure, like yeah, it's nice. Why huh? not? That was like my one night after we got onto the uh, the the Alaska Highway where I just you were you were done, but I was like, I gotta keep going. It's so nice out. Yeah, and the yeah. wind stopped, which was great. Yeah, this is the thing that sometimes the worst time, like the worst days, been because of this wind when it started to blow maybe at 11, 11 a.m. and then it was just like blowing. I don't know till five, five p.m. and then surely even the temperature like yeah. kind of. Federal, no wind, and then you was yeah, actually <laughs> from five p.m. to till uh, yeah eleven p.m. I would say is the best time of riding mm-hmm. in Yukon. I would say. Yeah, in Yukon, so what was your shortest day riding, other than rest days, obviously in Canada or in general? Canada. Ooh, tour the wild Canada. Hmm. I think. Obviously, reaching a destination and saying this is somewhere. yeah, yeah. I think sixty kilometers. Yeah, when I was probably yeah, maybe in those first days, I guess because first day, yeah, when I started the tour, that was also pretty 
again experience that I've never experienced before. Uh, first problem was that yeah, I bought the new bike, so just mm-hmm. I haven't been riding before like the whole months. And uh, I really took so much fruit because I didn't know that actually that grocery is bare actually pretty good on this uh, crossness highway to hope mm-hmm. so i was having a really big load and i have really really steep climbing oh yeah because that's like the rocky straight up big yeah mountains. yeah and uh and it was really hot it was maybe 25 degrees which okay for someone it's not hot but for me that time it was pretty time for a quick interruption to thank some of the bike tour adventure partners Bike Tour Adventures podcast is proud to be partnered with Redshift Sports. Founded in 2013 by a team of mechanical engineers who happen to be avid cyclists, they've been focused on creating components that make a meaningful difference to the riding experience, such as the switch aero system, the shock stop suspension system, and the kitchen sink handlebar system. I've been using the dual position seat post paired with the shock stop stem since 2020 and have nothing but great things to say about their products. Beginning in 2010 with environmental sustainability as the main focal point, Restrap has been in the bag-making business for quite some time. Having used a race bag since 2021, I find their holster system and magnetic buckles to be extremely effective and truly unique. Named after the animals that roamed the Tibetan Plateau, Cheru Endurance Bikes was started by Pierre Arnaud Le Manga in 2009. After noticing a lack of endurance bikes on the market, Pierre used his expertise, know-how, and racing experience to create high-end carbon fiber and titanium bikes for the discerning rider and racer. For discount codes, check out the show notes or go to the Bike Tour Adventures podcast website. Like burning hell. And yeah, just my legs were and ready, ready for this kind of thing. I was really in the really bad mindset that time that I was really suffering to climbing those hills. And yeah, maybe in this third day when I was getting to hope, fortunately it was whole downhill. And yeah, that time I think it was, it was 60, 70 kilometers. And in hope I have break for five days. <laughs> <laughs> just nice. like to kind of, you know, it really kills settle, clear my mind. And just like uh, that time I met my really good friends from Czech Republic. Okay. Some beers and came around and talk. It really ruins your daily average though. Yeah, well, I don't care. I didn't Just care. Like, definitely my average would be really low <laughs> because I have many breaks. And yeah, yeah. Well, as yeah. I already said, like, since I didn't have deadline, I didn't care if I can. Exactly. I was enjoying that uh, nothing day, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, How far did you ride in total on your tour? <laughs> I was missing probably 50 kilometers to 5,000. You've got it now, though, right? <laughs> We we covered that off. Yeah, we covered it here in Quebec. <laughs> but it wasn't my intention, like to pass this five thousand. But just when I was uh, on the last, yeah, when I finished touring, I was again like recalculating the route, and I realized that yeah, I was missing that little. What did you do with your bike at the end? Because I know you you don't you buy the bike in country and stuff, and you had talked about giving it away. But yeah, usually after this tour. I give I gave this bike to the uh, changing gear shop in uh, Whitehorse in Yukon, and this money will go to actually my host, actually our host, our host, uh, our, host yeah. uh, our host Anthony and Lana, who were hosting us in in Whitehorse in their lovely house. 
with Sona. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. The best know. host ever. And yeah, I think that uh, whatever this bike is sell for, they definitely deserve this price at least. At least a nice dinner or yeah. something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or two. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, what about the people you met? I mean, this is just one example. Anthony and Lana, we met them in Dees Lake. Dees Lake on the coast, yeah. And um, really never expecting, like we talked about this. We were talking with them for 45 minutes, yeah. an hour maybe? Like, maybe uh, maybe hour, definitely not more than one hour. Yeah. Then we just kind of... And then I just had this feeling like I should ask them, like, hey, <laughs> would you be... Are you the kind of people that would be okay to let some random cycling strangers sleep in your backyard? During COVID. <laughs> during COVID. <laughs> and uh, they were really gracious enough to just say, yeah, here's our phone number. Give us a call when you come into town. So um, just one one example of probably the many you met on the tour. Oh, yeah. I um, was uh, really spellbound by uh, those meetings I have with the locals there's actually a reason why i'm doing touring is not just because of yeah like riding of course it's really nice when you ride through spectacular nature and views and it's also you know really good feeling when you move from one place to another in mm -hmm. just a short time but meeting those people especially locals is just yeah you just cannot buy it you cannot plan it like, of course, if you're using warm shower, you kind of could plan it, yeah. but you just don't know how it's going to be. Like, you know. And yeah, I would maybe divide like those people like warm shower, like those warm shower hosts I have. Yeah. Countless. We, we already, we already talked about it, that, uh, yeah, it's this like same mindset. Mm, basically, it's really similar people to, to us. So it's really nice to talk. Uh, about cycling and the other adventures and uh, <clears throat> and then those other people who are not using Warsaw but probably they will be soon <laughs> could be yeah 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 like I always wonder like how I realized that this uh, bike is really nice tool as an uh, icebreaker mm -hmm. because every time I just stop in the town or village like those nice people came to me and they are really like, okay, like, how are you? And uh, what are you doing here? <laughs> yeah. And people always talk about like when you're on a recumbent or you're on a trike and stuff, like how much of an icebreaker it is. But I think just being on a bike in general yeah. is a pretty big icebreaker. And like, yeah. it doesn't matter. It doesn't have to be a special kind of bike. It's just, you're already different. Yeah. Because those people already kind of see that, yeah, you came here by bike. You already put some sort of different effort than anybody else because if you are driving car, yeah, it's definitely one of the best way nowadays. But yeah, it's not really special, you know. Mm -hmm. It's not any suffering. <laughs> I think those yeah. people when they see you, especially in the rain, <laughs> like passing the country, yeah, maybe they have like bigger sympathy, and yeah, and maybe they just wanna talk, and yeah. We are, of course, really <laughs> open for mm -hmm. communication since we are alone <laughs> most of the day. Yeah. What was it? Um, you said that I was basically the first person you ever bike toured. Well, not the first. You toured with your friends in Slovakia and stuff. Um, but that's yes, friends. But this, the, this first, is, yeah. the first unknown you've cycled with. Yeah. Yeah. 
What was that like? <laughs> yeah, maybe you, now you, you should be like go now. behind the door. Should I, should I leave for a few minutes and I'll just come back and uh, post this live? <laughs> no, I must say that I'm still pretty grateful that uh, you been able to kind to suit your speed to mine because that's that's not really <laughs> that's not really easy thing to do because I know for example when I was biking with my friends I also need to like slow down and I know mm-hmm. it's not it's really big effort <laughs> because and especially if you have those plans in your mind that yeah you need to be this po- at this time there mm-hmm. and now you met me that I am like having 30 kilos more and I just cannot go the same speed but still uh yeah i think this, this was really nice of you and i i'm really glad that we were we were able to do this uh wild highway in bc together because yeah there's already something it's already a different experience because i think we've been alone yeah we probably have tougher experience for sure like more mm-hmm. more aware a little bit yeah. more conscious yeah, I like think there this. was something really good about that um, that experience to to experience that road with a person as opposed to on your own because it is wild, it's remote, but like to be able to share it and say, oh, check out this view, yeah, oh, check that animal, you know, like just these things that if you're on your own, you probably miss half of it. So. Yeah, this is the thing. Like if you are riding with someone, it is experience it's shared. Because if you are alone, yeah, it's still dead nice, it's still beautiful, but. Now the thing is that now actually we can really talk about it, and mm-hmm. we know we both know we just maybe just maybe put yeah you remember that day, and we both know yeah. it's not just like me it's also you and that's really something else. Something and like more. even uh, sometimes well because you said I, I'd slow down and stuff or I'd be waiting for you up the road after mm-hmm. a fast descent, <laughs> yeah. and and I'd see this amazing view and I'd be like pointing behind me over your shoulder in the distance and you'd like turn around and you'd probably like i don't know what your feeling was but you're probably like holy shit like yeah because you're not expecting it yeah sometimes this is also the thing with the riding that even though it's slow travel sometimes even we riders we are forgot to look like behind us behind Mm -hmm. sometimes even those view behind are just so gorgeous no there were some amazing ones sometimes it's really good just to like be Every time when you could just stop and like look behind, mm-hmm. unless you are not taking the same road back. <laughs> In that case, you, you don't have forward. to. <laughs> but I don't think that many riders are doing is like yeah. <laughs> going the same way back. Can you tell us about like any wildlife and encounters? Cool. I think that you have better. Do I? <laughs> no, I mean better notes. Like uh, I think. That's the thing that uh, after 30, 35th bear, I just lost the count. <laughs> yeah, well, we saw, I, th- I think it was 30 exactly on the Ala- on the Cassiar. But... Okay, in that case. And then lost... there was some on the Alaska as well. There was some on the Yellowhead. Okay. Like I like saw a few. For me, I think it could be close to 40, 40 bears. Yeah, it's probably somewhere up there. But not, maybe just one grizzly. Sure, I'm not sure if it was really, but yeah, definitely it wasn't black bear, and I don't think it was a brown bear, but it was a okay hidden in the forest. That and I didn't want to check it out that time. Hey, come here, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just show yourself so I can. So, 40 bears, 
And uh, yeah, Moose is probably probably not more than ten, but very close to ten. Wow, nice, yeah. And uh, maybe two foxes, one coyote or wolf. I'm not sure. Where was that? Yukon. And yeah, the deers. I'm yeah. I also didn't count. They don't count. Caribou. No caribou. No, there was a ton of them. Like. As you go down the Yukon, like where I went after. Okay. Yeah. Well, well, I wouldn't say a ton. I saw a couple, but I had heard there was lots around there. Well, I also heard that in, uh, like, close to Dawson City, where I ended my two days, I was mm-hmm. also supposed to be. Okay. You didn't see any. How about bison? No, I think that's also, like, in that uh, highway you've been taking. Yeah. Yellow, yellow, yeah, yellow, east, yellow. southeast on the Alaska. Yeah. They are. Oh, there was one night though with that bear when we heard it, and we were laying in our tents. <laughs> yeah. Fuck, that was freaky. Cause yeah, that ah. was like that could be our thirteen bear of the day. I think. Yeah, it was a lot. That was really the bear, day. bear bear day bear day, and yeah, that time that noise was really really scary. I remember there was like <laughs> crunch, crunch crunch, like crunch, you could hear yeah. like the sticks breaking. And then we just start to talk loudly. <laughs> Like, hey, what do you think? It was a bear or not? <laughs> and then the very next morning, we're up in the truckers telling us about 20,000 grizzlies in, in, the, area, yeah. in that area, you know, like on the Cassia, and we're like, shit. <laughs> yeah. No, like, that was already that moment, okay, but we are in the middle of highway, you know, like, yeah, whatever way we, we go, we, <laughs> we just need to go further. Was there, I mean, I guess there was, I was going to ask, was there anywhere you wanted to go, but couldn't? And I, I guess the answer to that is Alaska, right? You kind of want yeah, to go Alaska, there. Yeah, Alaska, then uh, also, like, after Smithers, I, would, I wish to go to Terrace and take this mm-hmm. uh, uh, side road, like, to the Nishka. Oh, First yeah, Nation to, the, uh, to the lava the, fields, right? Yeah, but no, the hot springs. Mm-hmm. There are the hot springs. Very nice one, but yeah. Unfortunately, that was actually the only thing which was uh, obvious by COVID that those many of those first nation villages they just closed. Well, I can tell you now that it's over that the you could cycle as far as the lava fields, but the the, mm-hmm. the hot springs were closed. So I did meet a guy who said he was cycling up there, and I was like, "Oh, I thought it was closed." He's like, "No, you can cycle up it. There's nothing to do." So. I was like, "Oh, I'm not telling Fedor because he'll want to go there," and I'm like, "I can't afford the delay." <laughs> Yeah, I actually I still I'm I'm not having such a big regrets because like this I could spend more time in Yukon and it was amazing. Yeah, tell us about Yukon a bit more. I think you got lots you could share about that. Well, firstly, like this welcome with Yukon was actually pretty tough. Yeah, problem was with this condition of the road. It was with so many potholes and uh, very sharp, sharp stones. Gravel. Yeah. But the most problem was for me uh, this really, really huge headwind, which uh, was really last like whole day. And then maybe at the end of the day... Was this day one? No, it was not just the one, uh, day every one. Day. It was maybe first week, I would say. <laughs> yeah, basically till, till, till white horse, I would say. Till white horse every day, huge, huge headwind. And then uh, in the evening when I was setting the tent, of course, no wind, which means 60 or, I don't know, 100 mosquitoes, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Try to, those Canadian vampires like try to every suck day your blood, yeah. So this was like Canada. the big paradox, like 
during the day huge wind which is not helping and then in the evening but maybe this wind could be helpful now he just say okay bye <laughs> <laughs> so yeah this was kind of those first days in Yukon and then uh, yeah just before getting to White Horse where you already been mm-hmm. I guess because you were in Harry I was taking detour to Carcross and the Windy Arm and yeah, that was kind of the first time when I was like when I, when I was speechless that was really something yeah Carcross was awesome I went yeah. there because you talked so yeah. highly of it but yeah like that area it was really spectacular it really reminded me uh, like Vanakai New Zealand mm-hmm. that's also really really tall lake trapped in the mountains like, yeah. mm-hmm. and now yeah, like this road which was really kind of winding with this shore and you could see like these mountains and these uh, small rocky islands in the road like let's just say at that time it was actually even bigger headwinds <laughs> but that time since i have those views i just didn't care yeah that time like uh those views were kind of my engine mm. and then uh yeah, when I had to hit to white horse like to meet you and our fabulous host, that was also really nice. Like that family is just gorgeous, awesome people, yeah, awesome people, amazing kids, yeah, amazing yeah, parents. Yes, yeah. it's just amazing uh, neighborhood they are living, and I, I was also, I must say, I was really positively shocked and surprised by those kids because they are having really proper yeah. childhood just you know, like outside biking you know you when know. I, when i left uh when i left whitehorse and i was just past watson lake i see these guys drive by in a pickup truck and the one guy leans out like almost falling out going <laughs> giving me the like the rad symbol yeah. thing you know thumb, really? and, thumb and index and then like two kilometers later there's a rest stop uh like a little restaurant stuff mm-hmm. and it's where i was gonna stop and have breakfast and and I see them and they're like, yeah, man, where are you guys, where are you going? And I was like, <laughs> oh, I cycled from Vancouver to Whitehorse. Now I'm heading towards the east. Yeah. I don't know where. And they're like telling me they're from Whitehorse. And I said, oh, I spent about three days up there. I stayed with a, a family I met. The, the, father, the husband's a teacher. And they're like, oh, is his name Mr. So-and-so? And I said, well, I don't know his last name. I don't remember. He says, they're like, Miss Anthony. And I'm like, yeah. He's like. <laughs> Ah, oh, he's awesome. I, I teach his kids freestyle skiing. <laughs> such a small world. Yeah. Oh, Whitehorse is really yeah. small town. So, so they're like, such a so they're fun. like, can can I can I give you a beer? And I said, it's guys, it's like nine thirty in the morning. I said it's too early for me to carry a beer all day on my bike. <laughs> says, well, at least can I roll you a joint? I was like, sure. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, you can always drink a beer. You know, so I didn't want to carry, carry it with me and didn't want to drink it. It's too early. <laughs> you take the joint. <laughs> I did 220-something kilometers that day, so it's a good oh. thing I didn't take ah, that beer. so, yeah, so you have some power. <laughs> I, I didn't smoke it <laughs> for a few days. Anyways, um, yeah, the, the Anthony, their family, awesome people. Oh, yeah. Um, where'd you go from there? You went up north, yeah, right? Yeah, like uh, after short break in Whitehorse, I went basically to my sort of official goal, which was the Dawson City. Through the Klondike Highway, and yeah, problem was the first day. Yeah, I I start a bit late. Like I start I started afternoon, and just after Whitehorse, like 
maybe a little bit rain. Mm-hmm. Oh, let's say it wasn't such a big rain, but that time it was the biggest rain of the of my touring because since I had time in British Columbia, I was literally looking the forecast, and if there was like three days of raining, I was just staying. You know, I wasn't moving. Okay, I was literally waiting for the weather. But now in Yukon, I was. I already have like some kind of let's say pushing schedule. I, I haven't booked a ticket, but yeah, I just you I couldn't just, waste. Too I much just time. couldn't waste, you know, another day. So I just uh, yeah, the first day after Yukon, it was sort of rainy and many mosquitoes in there. Yeah, that was so bad. And then the next two days, it was just the opposite. It was such a heat, hazy weather. It was such a warm. It was so yeah. That, that that wasn't actually also pretty satisfying, right? Mm-hmm. Because yeah, it was no, it was no no clouds were on the sky, but it was really some kind of like smog in the air. I I couldn't see any mountains at all. Yeah, I gotta go pee. <laughs> <laughs> I can't hold it anymore. <laughs> Feel much better. So you can I continue? You can continue. Continue. So uh like this hazy weather like last for two days. As I said, I couldn't see anything. So it was literally just about riding. And that was also the reason why I made those almost two hundred kilometers a day because I just could it was nothing to see. Was it because of fire or was it just because of the heat? I honestly don't know. I hope it was just because of the heat, but I heard heard some rumors that actually it could be smoke from a Siberia fire, but I, I haven't checked it out if it was actually. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that was, as I said, two days. Only the one highlight of this ride was, uh, I think, the first evening when I was riding this 10 p.m. or 11 p.m. And it was really amazing, like clouds in the sky which looked like a dragon uh-huh. this like sun was you know going down like that cloud was like so red and yeah that was really kind of really special moment that was cool. at least the only view i could have uh during that day that that, that cloud was really looking really crazy and then uh yeah i just before hitting dawson i make a detour to uh, tombstone how was that oh yeah that was really good detour that, that road, I wouldn't mind to ride <laughs> there and back <laughs> more than two times. That was really something. Oh, wow. Really amazing road. Like, firstly, first section, it was really tricky because there was really, like, loose gravel, like, mm-hmm. big, big stones. It wasn't oh, I was going to ask, what were the road conditions like after the Alaska Highway? Mm, I would say Klondike Highway, if there is no construction, it's pretty good. Okay. Definitely, but Alaska, yeah, definitely better than Alaska Highway. It wasn't even that busy, but yeah, during this COVID, like you know, no roads. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Every road was actually less busy than usual. And uh, yeah, but this uh, Dempster, yeah, this Dempster Highway, like the first section was this loose gravel, but just maybe 10 kilometers, actually not that much. But after it was such a smooth, you know, like mm. sort of like clay or whatever <laughs> really really smooth so even better than pavement 
<laughs> oh, nice. And yeah, that day I was a little lucky because uh, like that day was kind of less less hazy, so mm-hmm. I could actually see some mountains. So I just like to hit this, uh, I think it was called the North Fork Pass, basically the highest point of the Dempster Highway, and then I went back to the junction. Oh, nice. And then the next, oh, actually, now I can tell you that was, my shortest distance was 40 kilometers, so I remember, because from this junction to Dawson's, it was just 40 oh, okay, kilometers. okay, so it was like, <laughs> that was the end goal, so. <laughs> so, yeah, so that was the reason why I didn't, didn't ride more. Maybe I could actually, because there was also this ferry going to the other side of the Yukon River, and you can also ride in something And, and because of COVID, you couldn't have the, you can't have the shot with the toe in it or something, right? Uh, actually, maybe it was possible to have it, but I didn't go there for a shot, to be honest. <laughs> like, it's just a tourist thing. This is the thing. I would say that I am now the special one because I went to Dawson. I didn't have it. You know? That's right. You are the... Yeah. But yeah, in Dawson, it was really nice town. But also, I didn't have a feeling that I should stay there like more than more than two days. Did you get hosted or did you, no, you no. just got a hotel? Yeah. No, no, I was just... Uh, I was having a uh, camping on this uh, midnight goal. Okay. That was first time I think where I could be. No, actually, second time. Second time. First time I was in this uh, car cross where I could actually camping and I, I could be outside because in this midnight goal it was so windy finally. No, <laughs> so no mosquitoes. So I could be just sitting on this uh, and just so people chair. have. And having this beautiful view on uh, mm-hmm. all surroundings like the Yukon River, Dossa, uh, and the, those two things, it was just... And just moment. so people understand, like this moment. year, everybody told us, ah, oh, the mosquitoes are so much worse than every yeah. other year because there was a lot of rain and the, it was the mosquitoes rainy. stayed forever. Yeah. Like, oh, it was brutal. Um, I remember my buddy Adam, he, he talked about some of the lakes and stuff he stayed on when he was mm-hmm. cycling. Yeah. down from from alaska and stuff and i was like yeah mate like you couldn't sit outside your tents on any thing. night of my entire trip essentially as soon as you stopped you got into your tent because it was so fucking shitty yeah it's uh <laughs> mosquitoes yeah but we've been born <laughs> yeah we we've been born and now yeah that's the thing that fortunately at least those nights where I could be outside, yeah, that, that's so much mm-hmm. different when you can just be outside having a view and so, having a great view. So from Dawson City, you cycled back to Whitehorse? Same way, same way, by Klondike Highway. This was actually, yeah. Firstly, I was really scared because, yeah, we already mentioned in this conversation that like riding the same way back is not really present, but this time mm-hmm. actually it was. Because oh, okay. the weather changed, so those views were different actually i had the view that's the thing even yeah. though there was a cloudy i could actually see the mountain because the oh. haziness was gone and uh yeah it was like much pleasure pleasure ride because mm. it was like slightly colder so and i really i prefer when the temperature is like around like between 10 and 15 i think that's for me yeah you, i'm better. like 15 to 20 you're like 10 to 15 yeah yeah um, i prefer and from Whitehorse, you went back further up the Alaska towards Haynes Junction. 
just before oh, that, okay. I would also mention mm-hmm. the uh, like the white horse I took uh, really. Actually, I thought it's short detour, but actually it wasn't. I was taking this uh, Campbell Highway. Okay. And then uh, there was this uh, really, really not maintained road. It's called the Cannon Road. Like from the Ross River to uh, Johnson's Crossing. And that was probably the most beautiful section of all. Oh, really? Like it was... Firstly, I was again pretty scared because this is really like just again you are going literally in the wilderness. But yeah, the road was just so stunning. It was it wasn't paved, of course. Firstly, they were really like steep climbing and downhills because it was uh, going with this uh, mm-hmm. Lapi Canyon, Lapi Canyon River. But then later, when it got to these alpine meadows, oh man! Where did that road start from? Uh, Ross River. Okay. Ross River and going to Johnson's Crossing, and it's like 200 kilometers, which is just like pure wilderness, pure forest. Like, that was amazing, like, to see those forests not affected by any wildfire or any harvest. It was just amazing. Okay. And then... Uh, but that's on Highway 4, like, going east from... That's number... I think it's... Six? It's highway is number six, I think. Okay, I see it. But you had a detour quite a bit to get to there, right? Yeah, that was the thing. <laughs> I personally okay. thought it's just I'm maybe, looking at it right now. That's why. Yeah, right. I, I thought that it's uh, maybe just so from Carmax. From Carmax, you went yes. east, right? Yes, yes, yes. Got yes. it. And even this uh, Campbell Highway was was really nice too to do. And then uh, after that, I have really, really, really long break in the White Horse again. Hosted by lovely people, <laughs> Anthony and Lana. And uh, after few so, days, sorry, few I'm sorry, days, so I'm yeah. looking at this still. Yeah, you got yeah. down to Johnson's Crossing, then you had to cycle all the way back to Whitehorse again. Yeah, the same. Okay, no, but not the same way again because before that I was going to Car Cross. Right. So I was actually taking the Alaskan Highway. That's right. Which, that's right. Which okay. wasn't the same way for me. Yeah. 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 Fortunately. So that that um that the highway six, I believe, is along the roots of where the old pipeline was built that the Americans had built a pipeline to feed Canadian gas and stuff to them during the okay. war. But it was it was costing so that. much that they realized, oh, it's cheaper just to bring it in trucks <laughs> <laughs> from from the US up through Alaska Highway. Okay. It's yeah. good at least they I think they, the they spent millions to build this whole area with the pipeline and then they used it for three months and said, oh, this is crazy. Hmm. Anyways, yeah. Cool. Interesting. So, Whitehorse, back to Anthony and Lana's. Yeah. Again, like, having a great time, just chill. They also took me to climbing once and, yeah, I never done climbing before and, yeah, I was really amazed, like, how those kids are doing, you know, like, Small spiders, and then I went there on my own. And Jesus, <laughs> <laughs> I yeah, fortunately, I have you know this rope, <laughs> otherwise, <laughs> Jesus, easy way to die. And then, after yeah, this like chill time, I um, made the last detour again, unfortunately, out and back, out and back, but again, it was really worth it. Like, there's hint, like many. Local people in Yukon, they were telling me, yeah, 
if you have time, going to go to at least Haines Junction. Really? Go there, you you will see something. So I went there. Of course, when I went there, I had the probably worst shower <laughs> of all back trip. It was crazy. That time, of course, the smart feather feather like want to be more light lightweight, so he left his uh, hiking waterproof shoes. Sure. White horse. Trying to be so, like Chris. Yeah, so my feet were soaked and cold and almost frozen. When I hit the hinge action, it was just like pitch cloud, you know, uh, pitch mist. I couldn't see anything. Like I, physically, it was maybe, I don't know, 100 meters. And I was like assuming, okay, I guess those big mountains, which I supposed to see is like somewhere there, but I just couldn't see. Like fortunately in this... Uh, uh, Haynes Junction it was a local bakery, really nice food, hot drinks, and there was also like one room with a warm stove. I was like, oh, I cannot plan this again. So I like warm a bit and uh, my clothes get dry. And actually, during this time, when I was just like chilling in this uh, place. The weather got better. Okay. Like those, some of those clouds were just easier to drink. And I checked the weather forecast for tomorrow, and it was saying that it should be clear. Okay. No clouds at all. So at that time I decided, yeah, I will just do hiking this time without the bike and to the King's Throne, which is uh, I think twenty kilometers south of Haines Junction. Next to the Kathleen Lake. So did you cycle part way and then just leave the bike in the woods? Or? Yes, yes, yes. That was the idea. Mm-hmm. Like I was camping there in the territorial campground, I think. Yeah, I think territorial campground. I was surprised actually by the price. Like it was like twenty twenty two dollars, which was a lot. Mm. But which is weird because most of the Yukon in BC, or most of the Yukon was like twelve oh, bucks. No, yeah. My mistake, this is the national park. That's the reason. Oh, that's why. Because the, the, the provincial park is, is Kluani. This is Kluani National Park. So that's why it was that expensive. And yeah, and then in the morning, really in the morning, I start hiking to this King's Road. And yeah, that was again really, really one of the highlights. So from the top of that peak, I could see those old glaciers in this uh, Kluani lake mountains okay that was really really something and i was again realizing that i i'm really lucky because ritually this time when i was here on the top was maybe i don't know half an hour 40 minutes and then those clouds just start to gather and again yeah? again again i was literally going down with a slightly mist with the, like near the top mm-hmm. and i was meeting like those other hikers who were going up i was like Sorry, guys, but you are, I guess, a bit late. <laughs> <laughs> that sucks, huh? Yeah. And so then after your return to, to, to Whitehorse, that was where you got rid of the bike and spent the last couple of days maybe or whatever before? Yeah, I was paying just maybe two days. If I remember, I came on a first day. I don't remember the day, but I, I'm sure it was first day. Friday, I was yeah, selling donating the bike maybe have like last visit of the city and then Saturday mm-hmm. I was leaving 
Okay. I want to ask you, actually, I want to jump back. I just thought of something and I mm-hmm. think it's a, it's a worthwhile thing to discuss. Yeah. And it yeah. was the um, cycling during COVID. Oh, yeah, um, that's actually a good topic. <laughs> um, I realized a few people had asked me about it and go ahead, Shh, pop it. Yeah, we have a, having a beer conversation. <laughs> um, it's a beer cast. Um, cycling during COVID was, what was it like? Um, what can you share about it? Your experiences? Definitely it was uh, different. In a way, like also this preparation mindset was, even in the beginning, I really was thinking, yeah, this is going to be really weird in a way that yeah, many people are just like staying at home and try to, you know, do as, let's say, as less social, <laughs> social as they could be. And uh, now I am like taking a bike and going from town to town, which some would say is really <laughs> egoistic. And I mean, I guess I guess the only thing you could say is really wrong with that is putting yourself in the possible risk of injury. So thereby putting a strain on the system. I guess that would be the argument against people biking and stuff. Yeah, but, but that would be uh, no different than biking at home. You know, like you're taking a risk. I think you are taking risk every day usually when you are uh, sitting in the car and going to work <laughs> <laughs> like roads are not the safest place you know <laughs> anyway yeah but i would say with this covid yeah i was really wondering like how it's going to be with those meetings with the locals because as i already said that's for me really um, precious gift during this touring so I was wondering how it's gonna be. But fortunately, I must say that, yeah, usually, even though I was going to this uh, uh, region where are not so crowded, you mm-hmm. know, like more in the wilderness and more in those rural areas, there are not that many people living. Like those people were absolutely fine. Like only as I, the only difference was as as we already touch it uh those first nation villages they were really kind of like stop sign yeah that you you just shouldn't go there and of course i was respecting that yeah and i don't think we talked about much like we had some really interesting encounters like in iskut mm-hmm. the grocery store was closed to us yeah but they would go and pick up the food for us we weren't allowed in yeah and they would run our card for us so we could still get stuff but it was awkward yeah, it was really something which <laughs> hasn't happened before, <laughs> but maybe, maybe, and I don't know, know maybe now it's going to be more. <laughs> and I don't know if you remember when present. we passed Good Hope Lake, Yeah, we were passing, there was somebody in your camper area and they kind of shouted something at us and it didn't sound like a hello or anything, but it, it felt like to me, it felt like it was heckling of some sort. Yeah. Like, what are you doing here? And blah, blah, blah. But this is the thing. I was more maybe expecting this kind of attitude. But than, that was uh, the that was the only, only time yeah, that yeah. I felt something negative was maybe shouted, and I, I didn't even understand what she said. You know, like I think that uh, like our point is that since we were really all the time outside and biking, <laughs> most of the time alone. Like the only touch we had was literally just maybe groceries. I don't know once uh, once a week, 
Yeah, more whenever and the occasional going in the community. And, and of course, like if we are going to the shows, we wear wearing the mask and sanitizing hand for mm-hmm. try to be as careful as possible. Well, I got to be honest. In BC, a lot of times I didn't wear a mask, but I also just stayed away from people. You know, I didn't, I didn't go the walk in the like, aisles close to people, and if I did, I would put something in front of my face. You know, exactly. Like, uh, and BC didn't have a requirement for a mask either, so. Because that there were so few cases. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I. But still, I was really surprised at how people were still so friendly as Canadians. Mm-hmm. What about with regards to warm showers and getting hosted? Um, I know Lana and Anthony were definitely an exception that yeah. they were so welcoming. They said, you know, we see you guys as bike mm-hmm. tours. You are, to us, you are safe. We're not worried about, you know, catching COVID from you guys. But mm-hmm. what was your interaction like with other warm showers hosts and um, or random other hosts? Very, very good question. I must, this is like nothing wrong with it, but since I was sending those uh, requests for the warm shower, I must actually say that many requests were actually negative because of COVID. Yeah. But again, this is absolutely fine. Because everyone, we get it. everyone has different, uh, let's say, to be protected. Stress levels. Uh, no, it's like, obviously, like, we are taking chances and some people like to be, like, more protected. It's absolutely mm-hmm. fine. Yeah. But that's the thing, like, that's why I was even more grateful for those guys who, in spite of this situation, which is not easy, they said yes. And I still think. I hope that they not, don't regret it. <laughs> any any hosts of uh, that you can think off the top of your head that were just yeah, I can stood out? I can say all those hosts. Uh, all of them. Firstly, I was actually again not hosted by the warm shower host. It was a friend of friend <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, because I was volunteering before my touring in uh, Okanagan, very close to Asuyus, you know, the anarchist summit. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was a really, really great guy, Patrick. And uh, he, when I told him that I'm going to do this too, he just said, okay, I have really, really great friends in uh, like close to Williams Lake. And yeah, we just uh, got in touch on the way. And yeah, and actually it turned out yeah, to be really, again, pretty similar family like uh, Anthony's Lana is really great open-minded mm-hmm. people. I have so, mu- so much fun there. Yeah, I spent there actually more than three, almost, I think almost five days, I think. Yeah, I spent there a really long time because I was, excuse was, I was waiting for good weather, but yeah, I had just such a good time. Just having such a good time? I I was like, yeah. And then I had, uh, and from that I was having warm showers in uh, Quenelle. Uh, by the Quenel Riders. <laughs> Quenel Riders, yeah. They, they follow me on Instagram. Yeah. And then uh, I have also really nice host uh, in uh, Barkerville. Oh, yeah? Okay. Yeah, Shannon, Shannon was her name. Yeah, she was really lovely because uh, just when I sent her request, her response was, yeah, I'm in one shower for 10 years and you are my first guest. No way. <laughs> and I was like, okay. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I think the obvious reason is because this uh, Quenel Barco, it's really detour, you know. You, mm-hmm. you really need to go again 
there and back. I, I looked at it and thought, oh, it'd be cool to go to. But. Yeah, but it was really worth it. Like, the road is really nice. And uh, the Barker area is, like, so stunning. Not just that uh, town, not just that mountain, stuff, but region. also those uh, mountains around mm-hmm. there are just so amazing. And then uh, in Prince George, I was hosted by a lady I've never seen. <laughs> really? <laughs> that was uh, actually a friend of those... Uh, of that family in uh, Williams Lake, mm-hmm. like uh, they gave me her, her contact, and she just kind of said, "Yeah, this is my address." And uh, my another host, like it was a student, I think he was like living in the basement, and he just opened me a door, and I was sitting on the couch. I never see it. Her name was Erica, but I never see. Oh, wow. <laughs> I never see her. That's wild. <laughs> but I was there, like yeah. For one night, because yeah, in Prince George, I realized that yeah, I need to probably change the cell provider because I realized that my that time current cell provider hasn't had no coverage in Yukon, so I changed the the cell phone provider in Prince George, and then in uh, uh, Vanderhoof, mm-hmm. yeah, I was uh, hosted by another Felicity. Felicity was her name. Uh, she's having really lovely farm next to the road to Vanderhoof and yeah, there I also had a really lovely time. I spent there again maybe two, three days because of the rainy weather. Really great host. And then Smithers, last eh? warm shower host was in Smithers where mm. you that that time we joined. Yeah. That that time we met together in Burns Lake and then the next day we went to Smithers where we were hosted mm-hmm. by again amazing couple like they are in their 60s i think and they yeah are, they are maybe just like late a, 60s yeah like last year they finished five year bike touring in all america on recumbent bikes oh yeah that's like <laughs> <laughs> that was really something like that time you realized that yeah, we are just kids playing <laughs> <laughs> um so awesome yeah and and i think like yeah, my experience with hosts were that in general, they were more wary and careful. The ones I had, um, like Lothar and Debbie, she's like, you know, you can camp outside, but there's a yeah. washroom you guys can use that I'm not going to go into after for several days. And, yeah. Um, you know, just minimize the time in the house. So were other hosts like that too, or more relaxed? Or? Uh, I would say... Besides those hosts, like we've been together, like uh, everyone was pretty, pretty chill. Yeah, but I mean, they weren't younger either, and they were more at risk than yeah, than yeah, and thirty that's year absolutely olds, so. understandable. Like, yeah, uh, totally. This get is their this point is not like nothing against. This is like absolutely. I, I no. would be surprised actually if we were in the house. No. Not mean that I'm like something evil. <laughs> <laughs> But it's just, yeah, that's the thing. I'm just the, at the end of the day, I'm just the stranger. And uh, like, I know where I've been, but those other persons, they just don't know. They can't I, know, yeah. So yeah. It's just, uh, no, they were lovely. Um, I, lo- I looked forward to talking to them again. Yeah. Uh, what did you do with your bike bags and all that stuff? Like your your gear that you attach to your bike, what do you do with it at the end of your tour? Because I'm still having it. That's the stuff I'm taking everywhere. So it just goes in the rucksack? or Yeah, that's... That's why I'm having this uh, backpack. 
because everything can fit in the backpack nice. for clothes and gear. So that's the pretty pra- practical thing about it. <laughs> All right. Now, this might be a tough question, but mm-hmm. do you have a personal philosophy towards bike touring? Uh, you mean like why I do? This is the thing that, uh, firstly, I start this uh, bike touring probably just because uh, I was probably afraid of driving and I still am. Cheaper than paying for gas. And it's cheaper and it's flexible. It's just like, you know, I, I can just take my bike and go whenever. And firstly, when I tried, I realized that, yeah, actually, when I started doing in Slovakia or in Slovenia, actually, yeah, actually, it's a really good thing. But that time I was literally just riding. That time it was mostly about the yeah, F from point A to point B, C, D, S, that, and mm-hmm. really like strict schedule. I, I really was good in scheduling. I was what I planned. I really fulfilled. But then later, uh, mm, yeah, like those longer touring in uh, New Zealand, as I always said, like there I realized that, yeah, this planning is actually not really good. It's good to be more like flexible yeah. because anything can happen. And, and if something happens, it's actually good because you have time to enjoy those uh, landscape and surroundings. And in uh, Colombia, it was again... Uh, like this uh, bike student showed me that yeah, actually you can even learn the language. Mm. Like uh, you, you just realize that yeah, you can be you now like someone else basically. <laughs> because I really didn't know that I am able to learn like from just talking to to learn basically new language mm-hmm. and uh, meeting those people, amazing people who are sharing their culture and their and their stories with me like completely stranger even though i didn't know language and yeah that's the way i, I will learn it and then yeah like in uh, here in uh canada i definitely realized this this yeah like this meeting people on the on the road is really for me i would say the main reason why i do, do it and the next tools i definitely try to maybe even this is not like the bad meaning thing or abusing thing, but uh, meeting like more warm shower hosts. Not because of to be hosted, but just like to meet those people. Yeah. And share those uh, stories and uh, cultures. When did you finish your, the biking part of your tour, I guess I should say? Hmm. I think the 2nd of, 1st of August, I hit the Dawson and probably... 20, yeah, around 19 or 20 of August, I came back from Haynes Junction. Okay. I think I took a plane from Whitehorse 20, 20, 22nd or 23rd. I don't know. I know it was a Saturday. That's the thing, but I just okay. don't remember the day. And what have you been up to since then? <laughs> Drinking. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, now I will be bad boy. <laughs> now, like everyone will be, hey, Jesus Christ, this guy during COVID. Uh, uh, since then, I'm having reunions with my, uh, I would say, old friends which are in Canada, which I haven't seen them for a while. Yeah, new friends. Yeah. <laughs> because, yeah, on the touring, I was making new friends. And now I'm, like, this time I have left in Canada, I'm using to meet 
the old friends. So I was mm-hmm. in uh, Vancouver. I was meeting uh, Lenka, Vladek, uh, my Czech friends, who, who I also met in Hope, actually, during this uh, hectic time that I need to kind of, you know, oh, okay. clean so, my mind yeah. and, you know, just think about something. Else. So yeah, I'm glad that they been there that time so I could share you know, something with mm-hmm. them. And then uh, uh, I was a uh, little time on Vancouver Island. And I was meeting a lovely family, like actually family of uh, one of my really good friends from Calgary who been to Slovakia doing one of these uh, Tour de Slovakia tours. Oh, okay. It was 2014, cool. I think, 2014. And it was actually our first biking to like me my uh my slovak friend thomas and him mike ah, okay. mike, mike, mike is his name and uh this family yeah this is aunts cool it's a kate colin and where is he from is he canadian yeah okay he's, he's canadian he's proper canadian where is he now uh like mike 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 is in uh mike is in calgary now okay uh he got married with Stacy, and they are having their lovely family life, you know. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, and then you came here as well. I mean, I threw the option to you. Before. I knew you wanted to go to Montreal, and I said, hey, man, yeah, yeah. come visit before and you then, go to Montreal, because that's like COVID exactly. central. <laughs> and then even... Uh, even also, oh, and you went to uh, Toronto, even, too. Even also, no, that also Toronto that time wasn't on my plan, but also the time I realized that uh, one really good friend, uh, Iman, I haven't seen maybe for four years mm-hmm. well, like he was uh, also actually part of this uh, board of the European Student of Technology organization back in Europe so we've been to some many crazy events and uh, yeah I haven't seen him for a while and now he's in Toronto so I love it okay. okay now it's the right time to go there and see him and yeah now I'm in <laughs> beautiful <laughs> Chelsea hanging out in Chelsea drinking beers oh yeah so um yeah i know you're going to montreal next and stuff but after canada what's mm-hmm. uh what's up with you what are you what are you planning well now with planning it's like really hard to say because this covid is really changing everything like uh honestly i don't know like after after canada definitely i will be in slovakia for a while mm-hmm. uh i still hope that that uh, jump which I had is still valid <laughs> and waiting yeah, for yeah. me. And uh, if you are if you are asking me because of those next bike touring, uh, yeah, my fingers crossed. Uh, I would like to do some bike touring in Europe, like more, more in Europe, yeah, more Just in Europe. Check out your own backyard, yeah. Yeah, like you know, backyard like Italy, France, Norway. That's basically my backyard in Europe. Neighbor, compared, to backyard. Ca- compared to Canadian perspective, yeah, it's my backyard. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, is there? A, I I know this this complete bike trip was sponsored. I mean, who who do you want to thank <laughs> for that? I don't think I want to say it to public because maybe if someone realized it, yeah, like I need to send this money back. Okay, better not to say it. <laughs> I think I already said enough. <laughs> Thank you, Prime Minister Trudeau. Um, 
Where merci, can people merci. find out, <laughs> Where can people find out more about you and follow your adventures? I was writing a small blog, just literally about uh, how those days went and how what adventures become. It's a uh, Fedor Travel dot WordPress dot com. Fedor with double O. <laughs> Why is it Fedor? Uh, is it Fedor O R or O O R? O O O O double O. It should be double O. Uh, my, my normal name is just with one O, okay. but I just like uh, play with it because uh, so people can't find you. No, like you know, <laughs> I, I I think when I was a kid, I was just playing with my name, and I realized that actually this name is like F E N door, like you know, open oh, door. And okay. <laughs> so I was writing my blogs as well, and then I I went and changed everything to O O R, and then I was like, I don't even know anymore, so I haven't. That's just a mess. But anyways, <laughs> thanks, Fedor. And uh, <laughs> so Fedor Travel dot WordPress. WordPress. Yeah, and then I am also. I, I was doing the videos from my biking trip mm-hmm. and that's on YouTube. Basically, even ju- you can just write the Fedor Travel again or just with my name, yeah, Fedor Haritz. Like H-R-I-C. I, yeah, like uh, with, I'm, with normal name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there I have some videos, like basically from my old bike trips I've done. How would you pronounce your name as an American? <laughs> Peter Rick. <laughs> Peter Peter Rick. Peter Rick. <laughs> All right, awesome man. It's it's been a real pleasure having you. And um am I forgetting anything that you want to share and I I didn't really think about or ask about. Like I don't know like which audience is listening to you. Uh mostly old women. Well, if uh, old men and, and they're not biking. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying them. Yeah, let's just let just roll, <laughs> roll on two wheels. No, like, I mean, if uh, anyone is still like questioning and thinking if uh, like riding a bike is crazy thing, it is, but it's also really amazing way of travel. Like, maybe, like if you if if, if there are those uh, bike packers who are literally just hiking long distances, yeah, those guys. I really see something and having adventures that we probably would never even dreaming of. Because that's really slow travel. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's Snail really space. that's really like uh tasting every meter, you know. We are tasting maybe every kilometer because we are still going really really fast actually compared to them. So I would just say that yeah, like uh, if if you think about traveling try to maybe think with your bike because i think that uh, this bike is giving you really really big freedom and really big opportunity to meet amazing people which you probably never met when while you are in the car or yeah. bus or plane or motorbike <laughs> actually i must say i really hate motorbikes but <laughs> uh I was really surprised in Yukon that those motorbikes, obviously they were Canadians, they were really polite. They weren't loud at all. I barely noticed them, even though it was a huge convoy, <laughs> like, I don't know, yeah, yeah. 600 of them. I was, I, that was the first time I realized that actually those motorbikes are not that loud if the drivers are, you know. <laughs> yeah, nice. Yeah. If the drivers are nice. Yeah, yeah. 
Awesome. Yeah. So I couldn't have said it better myself. If, uh, if you're just looking for a new way to travel and uh, you want to experience life to the fullest, I think biking is the way to go. Pleasure and to uh, Fedor, to thank you so much. It's been fun. And uh, I lied to you, I guess. I said an hour. It's an hour and 53 minutes. But we have a pee break. <laughs> <laughs> Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Hey, everyone. Before we end this podcast, I'd like to tell you about some of Bike Tour Adventure's other amazing partners. I'm very proud to be supported by Brockton Cyclery, a Toronto-based bike shop dedicated to bike touring and bikepacking. Carrying many of the top bike touring and bikepacking brands, I can honestly say that they have helped me to build the most durable and fast bikepacking bike possible. We're also supported by Race Day Fuel. Their mission is to ensure that you consume the very best and appropriate food and beverage for the task at hand. Working with top brands such as Scratch, Noon, and Untapped, they have all your nutrition needs taken care of. For discount codes, check out the show notes or go to the Bike Tour Adventures website. All right. I just want to quickly thank Fedor for taking the time to record this podcast with me. I think it was really, really cool and interesting to to get the perspective of a cycle tourist from, you know, a part of part of Europe, Eastern Europe, that uh, we don't often have guests from. So it's pretty neat. Wishing you all the best. If you haven't yet supported this podcast, you can. Um, Patreon, GoFundMe, always looking for a little bit of help, trying to improve some of the quality of the gear I'm using. Uh, annual fees come up, obviously, annually. And um, I'm looking for ways to improve this podcast. But to do that, that means I have to pay for a higher quality membership uh, with podcast platforms, which then costs more monthly. So for what I would like to ultimately do, it looks like it could cost up to about 20 something dollars per month rather than I think currently at around 10 bucks a month. So it's, it's going to double two and a half to three times more expensive. And um, yeah, I just can't do it on my own. So if you do enjoy the podcast, you love the podcast, you know, just a few bucks here or there monthly with Patreon or quick little little drop with uh, GoFundMe and uh, it goes a long way. So thank you so much and keep on pedaling. Bye-bye. I want to end the show by thanking all my listeners once again for the emails and comments I regularly receive from you. It really helps motivate me and keep me going with this project and to continue sharing people's amazing stories. If you have questions or comments, you can email me at bike at bikepackadventures.ca or go to bikepackadventures.ca and shoot me a message through the contact form. You can also check out the webpage for past podcast episodes, bikepacking routes throughout Canada, blog posts, videos, and touring tips. Lastly, I'd like to once again thank all the individuals and companies that are supporting the podcast. If you are enjoying the show and like what I'm doing, you can become one of my show supporters by going to patreon.com slash bikepackadventures. And for just a few dollars a month, you can help keep this show going. You can also help out by sending a one-time donation through PayPal. This money all goes back into the podcast, help me to cover the costs associated with running the show, buy new equipment when necessary, and produce the high-quality content that you've become accustomed to. Much appreciated, and keep on pedaling.